Praise God. As I said earlier, the sermon today is, I am the door. I am the door. Coming out of the Gospel of John. That's on, I'm starting on page 944, John 10. When you find that, say, Word. Word. Jesus is the true shepherd. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Doors. There are a lot of different doors, aren't there? There's the ornate doors to cathedrals. There's thick steel doors for bank vaults. There's canvas doors for tents. Every kind of home has some kind of door that you can imagine, ornate, wood, steel, whatever it may be. Some are expensive, some are cheap. Some are strong and some are weak. Beautiful or unattractive, they have one thing in common. They are doors. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what they're made of. They're doors. This simple parable that I just read uh, seems uh, that the disciples, as it says, they, they didn't understand. So he had to spell it out. Can I tell you, sometimes I need stuff spelled out for me. I'm, I'm like an A&W root beer. I'm thick-headed. And Lynn said, Amen. You see, most of the sheepfolds, if you didn't know, in the Middle East were, were open Ended. They didn't have a, a gate that swung back and forth. They didn't have a door. So the shepherd becomes the door for the sheep to enter through. And the entrance is only possible when the shepherd allows it. Jesus is saying he's the door to the sheep. And the sheep pen is the reference to the church. We are the sheep in the sheep pen. The religious leaders are making rules for people. Acting as if they were the door. I know people who want to do that. <laughs> I don't have on a, a starched white shirt, a blue tie, and a black suit. I can't really be a preacher in some denominations. I'm here to tell you that, that what Jesus was saying to the disciples, that there were others who came before Him, but none of them were the true door to heaven, and the laws of man could not change it. Jesus is the door, and He alone, only Jesus, Sets the standards for entrance. We cannot change His standards by trying or attempting to, to make the entrance of the family of God easier or harder than what the Lord has said it is. Well, you... Uh, I think I've told you that joke. I'm going to tell it again this morning because it's a really funny joke. This construction worker uh, traveling around working at different job sites and he went to the first church of holier than anybody else in this world. 
And he walked in and everybody had all these perfect white, all the men perfect white uh, shirts, black suits, black ties or red ties. Or, but everybody was perfect. The women, their clothes were perfectly Sunday morning clothes. And the guy had on maybe something like what I'm wearing. A shirt that's clean but not perfect. He probably had on some jeans being a construction worker. They were clean, not dirty. The preacher preached and he was leaving the church and, and he said, wow, preacher, that's one of the best sermons I've ever heard. And the preacher said, well, we appreciate you visiting our church, but you need to speak with God before you come back about what you're supposed to wear when, you, when you're here. He said, okay. Week goes by, he works hard all week, decides it's time to go to church. He goes back to the same church. Sermon was so good, he wanted to hear something else. He goes through the service, walks back, had same kind of clothes, everything just different, you know, clean. And the preacher said, look, last week I asked you to talk to God. This week I'm telling you, don't come back to this church until you talk to God about what you're supposed to wear. He said, okay. His last week in town, he works all week, goes back to the same church wearing similar clothes. Another great sermon, he said, preacher, three great sermons in a row. I hope I'll have some back in this town sometime to work because I'll come hear you preach. And the preacher said, look, he said, uh, I told you, talk to God before he came back. He said, I did. And he said, what did God tell you? He said, said he didn't know what you're supposed to wear. He had never been here. <laughs> there are churches like that, my friends, that are so caught up in who they are, they forget about God being in the house. We will never, as long as I've been in the pulpit, be that church. I'm not going to make it harder for somebody to come in. I'll make it easy. You want to smell like cigarettes and beer? Come on in. You, Jesus wants you like a he's, a... he's a he's a fisherman, right? I'll be fishers of men. I, I don't fish a lot. Hadn't fished in many years, let's say. I don't ever recall catching a filet. I caught a fish with scales and ick and bones and, and, and insides, guts, eyeballs looking at you. That's how Jesus wants Kirby to come to church. <laughs> he wants them to come that way so that when they become that beautiful filet, He alone gets the credit. Come as you are and let God change you. If you wait until you're perfect to come to church, you're going to hell. John 10, 7, in that, right after what I just read, said, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. A door. A door provides an invitation to enter. If we want to enter as an invited guest, we must go through the door. You don't crawl through a window. You don't crawl under the house and dig your way in. You go through the door as an invited guest. Contrary to what some people will tell you and what some people believe, we are all invited to heaven. Amen. Me and one of my Calvinist friends had that discussion last week again. There is not a philosopher on this earth that can tell me not everybody has a chance to go to heaven. That, that we were predestined by God before we were born. 
If you disagree with me, I'm sorry. Jesus is still the door for us all. If we're going to enter the kingdom of God or be part of the body of Christ, we must enter through the door and Jesus is the door. In the parable Jesus was using, He's the door through which the sheep enter the safety of God's fold. Then, after they've come in, they go out into the rich pastures with His blessing. It is only through Jesus that the lost can approach the Father. In biblical times, the shepherd would lead the sheep to a place where he could lay across the entrance. That way nothing could get in except by him. He was the protector. And nothing could go out without his permission. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. He says, unless you go through me, you're not going to be part of the family of God. People who want to call you you closed-minded or intolerant when you say that Jesus is the only way need to understand you're not saying it. God said it. God said it. If they have a problem with God, take it up with God. People who attempt to make it harder to enter the body of Christ than Jesus did are false teachers. They're Pharisees. When we make it easier to get in than what Christ did, we're false teachers. These Gospels that are being preached around the world today, unless they require repentance, and confession are not leading anyone to heaven. Sure, God's grace is sufficient. But only if you confess, repent, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. God's... Yeah. Y'all ever want to find something really quick and you can't? I don't know why I'm looking it up. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. For if we willfully sin, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. God's grace is sufficient. Now, I don't know how many times we can willfully sin before He turns His back on us or we walk so far away that we can't get back. That's not for me to decide. If I do that, then I'm making it harder or easier for somebody to get in. And I'm not going to do either. I'm going to tell you what God said. Through Jesus, we come into the fold. Through Jesus, we enter and go out into the world. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There are many churches, many religions, one Savior. One Savior. Acts 4, 12 is clear. 
nor is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus. Jesus. The thing we need to understand is, is that God desires that we all be saved, that the door is open to everyone. But the question I'm going to ask, you ask yourself, are you willing to walk through the door that Jesus has opened for you? Are you willing to go through that door? There's only one door to heaven. There are no secret entrances and no trap doors. Only Jesus. That door, as with a guest, you've been invited to go through. John chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. John 10, verses 8 and 9. All who came before me were thieves. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. You see what he's saying? All these people that were out there trying to tell you how to live were thieves and robbers. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. So the door provides an invitation to enter. A door also provides a way of separation. There were those who tried to, to come into the fold without, without coming through the door and they were to be ignored. Although we buy doors that look nice, we buy doors that separate us from unwelcome company. We use doors to only allow those we want into our homes to come in. We get to separate whom we want to enter and whom we do not want to enter. That's what we get to do. Jesus said, all who come to me. To be on the side of a closed door means to be separated or, or cut off from, from those on the other side. Doors can be decorative, but we yet seldom use them as an ornament. Jesus is not an ornament for us either. He is the one that separates us from the world. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from, from, from one, one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand and the goats on the left. There's a vast difference between inside and outside. If you remember, I taught the sermons on the, on, on, the, on the Jewish wedding, the Galilean wedding specifically, and, and how the people knew a year beforehand that there was going to be a wedding, but they had to be ready when that night came. The parable of the ten virgins and the five foolish who were not ready. The wedding feast comes. They go into the house of the Father. The door closes and no one on the outside gets out and no one on the inside, no one on the inside gets out and no one on the outside gets in. The door is closed. They fell asleep. And at the midnight hour when the trumpet sounded, they tried to run and buy oil and trim their wicks. 
The party was gone when they got ready. Be ready for the door to be opened and go through. I believe it's in Revelation 2 or 3. It says, For I hold the keys of David. I open doors no one can close, and I close doors no one can open. Matthew 25, 10-13 says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open us, open up to us. But he answered and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Once the door's closed, you're, you're out. You're out. If you're on the wrong side of the door when it closes, it'll be too late. We need to remind our friends who don't know Jesus or not accepted Jesus that the fence belongs to Satan. If they're on the fence about whether they want to commit to Jesus or not, they're not going to make it to heaven with us. They will not be able to pry open the door of heaven and get in or not sneak in when, when, the, when the judgment is being passed. When the doors of the ark were closed, it was over for the people. They beat on the doors wanting in, but he didn't open the doors. They were preached to for 120 years. And they ignored him. Makes me feel better right there. Once the doors are closed, they perished. And the Bible's clear. Uh, you know, you've got to wonder about these people that say they're prophets or, or, or preachers that say this and say that, but those are saying, well, Jesus is coming back May the 22nd, 2022 at 4 p.m. Run! Turn off the TV. We don't know the hour or the time the door of heaven will be closed. We don't know the day or the hour that the Lord is coming to return, nor do we know when life on this earth will end. That's not for us to know. We're called to live for God every day. Live like He's coming today, church. Amen. Don't wait until tomorrow to say, boy, I need to live a little bit more for Christ. Right. Matthew 12, 30 is clear. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. I can assure you, my friends, you do not want to be on the outside when the door closes. So a door provides an, uh, an invitation to enter. It provides uh, a way of separation. And a door provides a means of safety. John 10, 9 and 10 says, I am the door. If anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out of the, find the pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus says in verse 9 that, that, that we will enter through Him and then we go in and out and find the pastures. We, the sheep, need nourishment. The nourishment is in the, is in the, the pastures. The shepherd means, uh, was the means of protection for the sheep. The shepherd kept the wolves 
the thieves and the robbers away. Those that want to steal and kill and destroy. The door of your house, if you like it, and I hope you do if you live in Nashville with us, keeps people from just wandering in. Has somebody wandered into my car over the weekend? Guess what they found? Gas receipts. Yeah. Ah! Joke's on you, moron. People have no control. It'll keep robbers and thieves out of the house when your door is closed. Door can keep your house comfortable with the cold and excess heat out. In biblical times, uh, a city was only as strong as its walls and its gates. The gates in which they entered, the door in which they came through. If they were weak, the city would fall. When Jesus called himself the door, he was offering protection for the lost, a place of refuge for those who need a Savior. We need to take verse 10 seriously. The thief only comes to kill, destroy, and steal. But he's a liar. Satan is the father of all lies. And if you buy into those lies, the price you pay is your soul. Eternally separated from God. The enemy does not love you. He might say something that's appealing to your soul. But when the time comes, he won't protect you. And he does not want you to enjoy eternal life. Jesus came to give you life and to have it more abundantly. I want to read you this. Uh, it's, it's a great little picture. I, I haven't read the book, but I saw the movie. How about that? Pilgrim's Progress. It's talking about where, uh, where, the, uh, where Christian tells Hopeful of a man who came from the city of Sincere. The name of this man was Little Faith. But he was a good man. He was on his journey to the celestial city but fell asleep near Dead Man's Lane. Near the Broadway Gate. And while, he, while asleep, he was set upon by three rogues, three brothers, called Faint Heart, Mistrust, and Guilt. He yelled out, Thieves! Thieves! His mistrust stole his money. The guilt hit him on the head with a club, knocking him unconscious. They then stole nearly all his money. It may have done more, but they heard that great grace was coming, which scared them off. It was said that little faith was poor, malnourished, and had to beg for nearly all of the rest of his journey. And he didn't get over it, but was bitter and kept telling people what had happened to him. The thieves didn't steal his certificate that granted him entry into Celestial City. But because of the trauma he experienced at the hands of the thieves, Christian says that little faith seemed to almost forget he possessed that certificate. And on the few occasions when he remembered it, it might have been relieved by the thought of still having it. The memory of the loss would rush upon him and swallow up all the hope and reason. Jesus can give you what you really want and what you really need. He does not want to steal anything from you. He, does not, he wants you to have a joyful and blessed life. I think Paul said, forgetting what is behind me. Forgetting what is behind me. 
the author of Pilgrim's Pride, John Bunyan, is showing a picture. It, it shows how we can be beaten and robbed on this journey. And if we have little faith and stray into the wrong areas, then it can impact the rest of our journey. We will be poor spiritually. We won't have anything to share with others to help them on their journey. But Jesus came to lead us from the robbers and the thieves and into life. Life in Jesus. I want you to know what He did not say, what Jesus did not say. He did not say that I have come that you, may have, you might have ease and have it abundantly. He did not say that I have come that you might have wealth and happiness and have them overflowing. He said that He came that we might have His life. It's life that results from a relationship with the shepherd and remains right through eternity. So what do you want? What do you want? Heartache and sorrow and stress or a joyful, abundant life in Jesus? I, I so wish that, that I had walked with the Lord all my life. But I didn't. And I forget what is behind me. Because I am with Him now. It might have saved me a lot of pain, but it would have saved family members a lot of heartache. I stumbled and fell. And then He came rushing in. So, so what do you want? On what side of the door are you on? If you die today, or, or if Jesus comes back today, are you in the house? If you're not, then, then you're on the outside. And you're risking being on the outside of the door for eternity. Jesus didn't say, I'm a, I am a door. There are lots of doors. Someone might find one door. You might have a different door. Whatever works for you. It matters not what door you have. Just go with the, little, with the door that feels right to you. That's not what He said. He said, I am the door. So are you walking through the door Jesus has opened for you or are you standing on the outside? He wants you to come in. He wants us all to come in. More than that, He wants you to go and knock on the door with someone else so that they can come in. He searched our hearts, church. He knows our desire. Let's be a group of people that desire to rob the gates of hell and fill the gates of heaven. Is there really anything else to being saved? As I've said hundreds of times, if getting saved was about making it to heaven, why are we still here? Because it's about taking others with you. Forgetting what is behind and reaching off toward the prize, the upward prize. I challenge you as you leave, think about that. How am I representing Christ today? How am I impacting the world around me today? How, 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 not why, why, why? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. And, and Lord, thank You that we have been able to enter through the door. Father, if there's anyone in this room that has not entered, I pray, God, that You'll convict them today and they'll come to me after service. And Lord, together, we will step across that threshold. 
Father, I know that today is the day of reckoning. I know that today is the day of, of honor and praise and glory. And Father, you, call, you come with the reckoning and we give you all the praise and honor and glory. Father, I pray a, a special blessing upon the ministry that we're partnering with for the widows whose lives we will impact through that ministry. But more than that, Father, I ask for the salvation of those that do not know You. Let them not come and You say, Oh, depart from me, I never knew You, but let them hear, Welcome home. Welcome home. And Lord, I'd be kind of, kind of crazy if I didn't say thank You for another year. Thank You another year of preaching the Gospel, another year of life of touching others, and another year of life with my wonderful wife, Land. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name. Let's all end with a big amen. One, two, three. Amen.